When chaos begins to emerge in our world, where can we go to remind ourselves of hopeful humans that are helping to create a more compassionate world? Each month in the Restorative Pulse podcast, tune in as we feature thought leaders creating innovation, innovative change in our world and in our systems, from the macro level to the micro level, in our schools, healing spaces, and beyond. I'm Julie Johnson, founder of Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse podcast. When chaos begins to emerge in our world, where can we go to remind ourselves of hopeful humans that are helping to create a more compassionate world? Each month in the Restorative Pulse podcast, tune in as we feature thought leaders creating innovation, innovative change in our world and in our systems, from the macro level to the micro level, in our schools, healing spaces, and beyond. I'm Julie Johnson, founder of Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse podcast. It's Julie Johnson. Um, I am the founder of Integrate Network, um, accessibility specialist, trauma-informed yoga teacher, and the founder of this podcast <laughs> and Integrate Network. And uh, this is episode 16, I think, <laughs> of, of the long and awesome episode or uh, season of season one <laughs> of our uh, podcast. And this we today we have um, Mena, who is the podcast. Uh, host of the Late Bloomers on, and um, they're going to be talking about um, just the history of their podcast and um, mental health in the Black community and how that's impact. We're going to be talking about how the um, that has impacted, um, you know, the mental health specifically the Black community, and also like the wider conversation around why that's important for Black. Um, and brown wellness professionals to have spaces to connect among themselves. So, uh, Mena, do you want to start? Sure. Hi, Julie, and thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I love the work that you guys are doing at Integrate, and so I'm super excited and honored to be speaking on this episode. It's weird that I'm on the other side because normally I'm not <laughs> interviewing people, but I am open to this discussion and just sharing, I guess, like a bit of my background and kind of what we do over at the Late Bloomers and then we'll get into talking about wellness more generally. So excited. Yeah, um, so go ahead. No, sorry about that. I, there was a pause. No, if there's ever a pause. By the way, if you ever feel like I'm talking over you, know that like there's an ocean between us, and sometimes there's like a, there's like this like five second pause the further away people are. So I realized. So sorry about that. I'm learning to like backtrack myself. <laughs> um, I understand this whole podcast game, so it's cool. <laughs> um, what else can I say? I guess talk a bit about like the history of yeah yeah 
yeah, yeah. the history of the black the, yeah, the late bloomers and how did it start kind of where did you because I always you know when people decide to like I think I feel like there's a whole story behind like why someone decides to like start a podcast as someone who's now two months into this now myself and I'm like god that's like a whole story <laughs> that's like a whole thing so tell me a little bit about that story for you um yeah where do I start um essentially it was 2017 and I was in a very deep depression um I've suffered with depression since I remember my first bout of it was um after graduating from university and being unemployed for a long while like I just couldn't Mm -hmm. find a job um I live here in the UK and um it was just really tough to kind of get into the job market which is quite disconcerting particularly after you feel like you've studied and you've done decently like it wasn't like I got so in the UK how it works is that most of the time when you graduate you should get over a 2-1 like a 2-1 and above is considered or deemed I'm not sure the system in the states Mm -hmm. like grades and stuff so I got a Mm 2-2 which is kind of below an average of like a good grade and Mm -hmm. normally for a lot of graduate schemes they would employ people when they have um two ones and above oh wow so so they base they base employment off of your gpa from college yeah wow no they don't do that in the states here (laughs) i mean maybe some fields here but like maybe in law or medical but not here yeah most of the fields that was like the determining factor whether or not so when you would apply to jobs it would be like one of the requirements would be two one or above and so oh, interesting. I didn't have that grade um I missed it by a couple of scores and it was really kind of tough for me to try and like navigate um graduate employment and trying to find it after kind of I had graduated and so I fell into quite a deep depression um, mm-hmm. I worked with my parents for a bit. They have a company, um, a leadership development company, where I kind of worked for them, but I wasn't really like loving what I was doing. <laughs> I wanted to go into marketing and advertising and just do something creative. And um, I just was not getting any luck with finding jobs. And it just put me in a really low place for some years, actually. It took a while to kind of pick up my self-esteem and say you know what if this is the case I'm going to go and do a master's and so I studied for my master's in strategic marketing and did that did really well actually and um, I thought yeah this is it I've got the grades now Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out and like be an amazing marketeer at Spotify or something and I would (laughs) jobs all these brand um these brand roles like brand manager roles and literally nothing tumbleweed again no jobs and that really took a hit on me it was like okay but then at the time I had also started my mom and I had set up a business back in Lagos Nigeria and there was nobody there to run the business on the ground and so I kind of fearlessly picked myself up and moved to Nigeria and I thought okay well at least if I'm there I can probably get into advertising there and kind of like start my life there because the UK Mm -hmm. just wasn't working for me 
And so being out in Lagos um, for a year, you kind of do this like community service type work. So mm -hmm. before you go out and work for any corporation, you need to have this certificate um, of youth service, which is really just annoying. But mm -hmm. I did... Um, I did that and whilst doing that I was working at an advertising agency then realized okay I'm not really sure this advertising thing is for mm -hmm. me and kind of just fully threw myself into the business and my family's business and ended up just running that which is still going today um, which mm -hmm. is good and I was there and during that period or that season, my cousin fell extremely ill whilst I was in Lagos, Nigeria. And so I decided over that summer that I was going to come back to London and just spend some time with him. And during that summer, being out of Lagos and not really working and back in the place where I couldn't find work and mm -hmm. also kind of grieving because I was losing my cousin, like he was terminally ill with cancer put me in a really another difficult place where I felt like my life was moving ahead but really like my surroundings and the externalities of the, the circumstances were just not in my favor in that sense mm -hmm. so um again I fell into a bit of a depression and it was during that season like I, I remember specifically one night in August August the 14th I think it was 2017 I was up at 3 a.m watching Netflix as you do because I had nothing <laughs> to do like literally no job to go to because that's what you do, <laughs> what you do. Sure. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, it's like a common human condition <laughs> honestly and I remember Netflix asking me the question like do you want to continue watching and I was like uh yeah I do because I'm not doing anything else and so right. I was I sat there watching Netflix and just I began to cry like floods of tears thinking is this the story of my life I was 27 at the time and really just trying to understand how do we navigate this thing called adulthood and mm -hmm. what does that look like for everyone because when I scroll online and see my friend's stuff it looks like everyone has their life sorted out they have their jobs their careers, they're getting engaged or married, have families. And I felt like the same wasn't happening for me. So I started to really question kind of what I was doing in life and where I was going. And I remember specifically just crying out and I'm a Christian. So I cried out to God in that moment and was just like, you know, what is the meaning of all of this? Why can't things mm -hmm. fall into place for me? And why don't I have a sense of direction? And in that moment, I remember him speaking to me and saying, you're a late bloomer just because it hasn't happened for you now doesn't mean it's never going to happen. And that stuck with me to the next morning. I woke up. My sister, she works in, in an investment bank. She's like a superstar, high-flying mm -hmm. <laughs> executive. And I remember reaching out to her while she was at work and being like, I want to start something. I said, I don't know what it is, but I want to just start something like writing like my mm -hmm. experiences my thoughts whatever and she was like just go for it and I said yeah I said and funnily enough I already know what I want to call this thing and I said the late bloomers like I feel as though people aren't sharing their real stories about navigating adulting we're showing the glitz and glamour of life but nobody's sharing what's going on behind the scenes 
And so that was really like the motivating factor for me is to really uncover the real, real, like what's really mm. going on, not the highlight reel that people show us, but try and get to the bottom of like the experiences that people have be behind closed doors that they're not talking about. And so I started off kicking off the show into like right. my own vulnerability and sharing my story. And um, it resonated with when I put, and I said, if I'm going to do this seriously, um, let me write at least six stories. At the time, I didn't know that I had a thing for writing. I just mm -hmm. would write. As soon as I put it out, people would just start, started to resonate with whatever it was I was saying. And I said, hey guys, like if anybody else has a story they want to share, like feel free to contact me. And that's how it started. It was almost like a blog where people would submit their different stories, like journal entries. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was just, yeah, that's how the late bloomers kind of kicked off. Um, and it's been running for like three years from the blog. It started, people wanted to actually start seeing, like connecting face to face. And so I would put on events. I, I hosted one in London. Cool. And then, Lagos which was great turnout was awesome and um I also decided that with the events I didn't just want it to be people coming to share their stories I wanted to add kind of the work that my parents do around like development and personal development and really kind of leave people with something tangible to take away and so we added workshops um at the end of the event which like people really tended to love and and I for me it just made sense because I feel like we go to enough panel discussions to hear people's stories and then you kind of leave feeling like okay so what do I now do whereas mm -hmm. at the late bloomers as part of our like mission is to give you those tools that you can use and those resources that you can use to kind of build a better future for yourself and a better more stable life for yourself and so that's how we kind of grew um, on Instagram as well through content. And then I decided to start the podcast last year um, because I realized that not many people read. <laughs> so. You know what? You know what? I, it's so funny. You, you came to the same conclusion that Victoria and I did, um, you know, when we just start, we, like Integrate started like seven years ago when people were still blogging. And we noticed over the last, three or four years that like we're moving more and more away from it and we weren't really sure where they were moving towards until like six months ago we were like podcasts <laughs> we went to podcasts and so like and I've been watching this keep going you know as someone who watches content and media development you know all the time yes I was right with you I was like yeah they, they went to podcasts we went from blogs <laughs> to podcasts that's where we went <laughs> so yeah I've I'm so glad I thought I was the only one that was seeing that trend. So thanks no, for <laughs> I just noticed that like readership started dwindling a bit. <laughs> and then people's attention spans, they wanted like short caption stories rather than going onto the site to read the blogs. And I was just like, <laughs> okay, so what what do I do here? And we kind of pivoted a bit to go down the route of podcasting, completely new and different to kind of what I'm used to. My comfort zone is writing. I love writing. I can literally just put wear my heart on my sleeve when I write and so um taking it to podcasting has been different it's been 
very like testing in a, in a way because it's like a new medium by which you reach people and I, I don't really feel like I'm the best public speaker and so it's definitely helping me to hone in on those skills as well um but yeah the podcast is essentially people coming to share their stories the same way that they would do when they used to submit them but I guess yeah so I interview people and just ask them about their life's journey but not you know in a way that's all glitzy and glamour it's like okay what what the hell really has gone on for you you know you you bring in an interesting and I'm going to segue to the next point to our next venture here but you bring up a really interesting point here about the change and like and now COVID and the whole thing like we're talking about and I I have to wonder if and I have to look at myself too, but I have to wonder, cause I've always liked podcasts and I've always listened to podcasts, but I noticed the uptick, like when people started sharing content more, and I have to wonder if it has to do with, um, a felt sense of presence in people and like mm-hmm. community and people feel more in the spaces and not just amp with COVID. Right. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but I have to wonder if that has something to do with like our nervous systems and like just feeling more connected to the people that we like to read. It's just, we like to hear them talk, you I know? I feel so hundred <laughs> percent that that is definitely the case because when I listen to some of my favorite podcasts, I feel like those guys are my best friends and they're just yes. sharing, like they're sharing mm-hmm. stuff with me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I literally feel like Brene Brown is like, she's like my auntie. Yes. And, I, and I've <laughs> even noticed for us since we started the podcast, like people that have been with us for a long time, I hear from people more often because they're hearing my voice more and they're hearing, yeah. you know, pe- they're hearing our network voice more. So I think it's a culmination of like, and then COVID just amplified that need. Right. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I totally thank you for mirroring that because <laughs> and, and reflecting that because I've noticed that it's always, and I always wonder, I'm like, is anyone else noticing this, this <laughs> trend too that does some of the same work that we do, you know? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so on that note, we talk your, so you have this podcast, right? And, um, you know, you do a lot of activism and you do a lot of activism and around mental health, specifically within the black community. So can you talk a little bit about like why that was pretty radical, like, you know, kind of rallying and doing this advocacy work. And I'm not sure. And I know you and I have talked about the difference between the UK and the US on this, but can you see, kind of talk a little bit about the history of that, maybe what's going on in the UK, because I'm not sure if people see that, you know, um, in the US. Yeah, definitely. Um, And so around like my mental health advocacy, for a long time, I kind of struggled to articulate that that's what I was doing. It it was more, I just want to tell and share personal stories about life. For a long time, I didn't come out to tell people that the reason why I started the platform was because I was depressed and and it was a big deal for me. Um, And for a long time, I actually denied my depression. I I wouldn't really own it or want to speak about it. And so when people kept telling me, oh, you're in the mental health space, and I'm just kind of like, hmm. No, I think I'm more of just like a storyteller. I feel like it's just a media platform where I collect stories and they kept saying no, but the way in which you write and the things you speak about definitely resonate a lot with mental health. And I was like, okay. So people had started to label me. And, but whereas I never kind of accepted or took on that label for myself. And I think part of it, 
had to do with subconsciously the stigma surrounding mental health and what mm. that looks like. And for me, I really had to particularly this year define, redefine what mental health actually means to me. And mm. it almost in the same way I see physical health. And so, you know, the same way that I do yoga or I, I'm into like, you know, fitness in that way is the same way I feel like people should view mental health. Like you can have poor mental health and you can have good mental health. And so um, I think within the black community, just to steer more towards the point, um, yeah, it's been a taboo for the longest time. People would never discuss it. Um, churches would never discuss it. Communities were just never really talking about what was really going on for people. Um, and they would say just like, I know particularly it would kind of be, oh, just pray about it. Or people would think that a demon is possessing you, particularly in places like Nigeria, Africa, like when people would have these kind of mental health issues, it's like, okay, well, you're obviously possessed by a demon or like something is going on for you. Just these myths around mm -hmm. what, what mental health is and what it means. And right. so um, I think for the longest time, there's a stigma that's been kind of like hanging over the community when it comes to this particular subject matter. Um, and yeah, for me, it kind of, it really is important for people to really kind of change the way in which they see mental health. Um, and I think the black community has taken like this year in particular has shown us that actually we're all going through like a collective trauma, wherever mm -hmm. you're in the world. It's like, you know, I look, I, I open up um, my phone and it's almost like, where are black people actually safe? Like, where can they go? Because this year it's been, if it's not been America with the things that have happened, <laughs> And which we're, we're number one there yeah <laughs> we're number one for racism <laughs> number one just for every, for everything right, we're, we're, we're number one for covid deaths and race and racism <laughs> and police brutality we got that we're, we, we got that <laughs> and it's just like it, it really set off i think a bit of a domino effect across the diaspora um where it was kind of just like okay these things are happening, not just in America. Like if you look at the systems within the UK, I know you and I spoke about this the other day. And I said, you know, when it comes to racism in UK, I mean, it's very prevalent. It, nobody can tell me it doesn't exist. I grew up around it. I know that it does. And <laughs> right. for me, I know that part of the reason why getting a job was so hard probably had a lot to do with my race um, mm -hmm. and the space in which I wanted to operate in. And so um, there are those sy systemic kind of racism. It's still prevalent here. I mean, it, this is where white supremacy kind of started, right? If you think back to like colonialism, it was the Brits that entered like uh, Africa. They're the ones who came to colonize Africa. And so I think when you think of that mentality, it still very much exists today. If you look at what Meghan Markle, for instance, had to go through and that whole thing, like it exists, it's very covert. It's not in, a, it's not in the way that it does in America in the sense that people are dying, but mm. people are dying in, on the inside because the microaggressions are still very much real. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I feel 
that that is why this collective trauma that we've all had to deal with has just been a lot it's been heavy um watching black people die online or watching black bodies kind of like and almost becoming desensitized to deaths that are taking place for no reason other than the color of people's skin yeah. is pretty traumatizing and it's a it's a lot to bear and i think with that being said it has really opened up the way in which people now view okay how do i then protect my space how do i then protect my mind and and what i'm what i'm consuming in terms of the media and what it's feeding me and i feel as the wellness the wellness industry in particular um has positioned itself almost like it's only for white women mm -hmm. and that should be the case and yeah. i feel like the community that probably needs it the most is the black community in in terms of what we've had to deal with particularly and what's come up this year and so um yeah i i feel that yeah no and i really like how you segued and how you brought together the um, wellness community and the prevalence of systemic racism. I mean, in, in terms of like police brutality and dying online and like, cause sometimes like people like see that but they don't put those two together. You know what I'm saying? And I think that you brought in a really good um, connection of, you know, if we, and I'm gonna rephrase this. So <laughs> just, I'm just gonna mirror this, but like, you know, what, what I hear you saying is, is like, if you see yourself dying if you see people that look like you dying online and then you see people in the wellness community quote unquote you know that are white that are also the color the people that are you know creating the violence and perpetuating the violence mm -hmm. like we and it's called wellness and we we need to have spaces that need, need to be life-giving right and mm -hmm. not life-taking because life-taking is happening everywhere else right so we need to have those spaces that are life-giving to the black community within the wellness spaces. Am yeah. I reflecting that? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Definitely okay. my sentiment. And yeah, I don't know how else you put it together so eloquently. <laughs> like, definitely that is my sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like your, I really like how you put those two together. That's why I noted that. I was like, oh, she weaved that together so well. So, um, yeah, that's great. So let's talk a little bit more about like the black, like black wellness community and like, what have you done so far in the networking of bringing that together, like in the UK and anywhere else? So what's been your work so far that you've done about that around yeah. that? So, um, as I said, it's a bit of a myth and taboo to talk about the fact that a lot of healing needs to take place and and kind of it was actually sparked by um george floyd um mm -hmm. kind of my response and i guess the platform's response was to now create spaces and so because we couldn't have events offline obviously due to the pandemic which kind of screwed up everything for everyone <laughs> it, really did. it really did <laughs> i decided to take these events kind of online um which a lot of people did who have communities and we set off the started this series of events called the healing bar where people would come and be kind of professionally heard by coaches so i kind of team tag team with my parents which was great <laughs> well, <laughs> they were awesome yeah they helped and they brought on board their network of different coaches to really pull them in to help 
be there for millennials, I guess, mm-hmm. because the platform is centered around like the millennial experience. Um, so we had these events like once a month, the healing bar, almost like drop-in sessions where people could come and, and have access to coaches and speak about what was going on for them. And it's based around like different themes. And so the first one kicked off in response to Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd movement, because I guess the movement kind of, it started in America and it trickled. You could see it go all over the world where people, black people were coming out to say, you know what, it's not just in America, this happens. This happens in the UK, for instance, like police are equally as brutal. It's just that people aren't dying. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, it does happen in various places. I mean, places like Paris, for instance, incredibly racist over there. And, um, And so with that being said, I felt like I had to do something for my community and for my people in a way that, you know, they, they can be seen and heard and they, they don't have to feel alone. And so that's kind of what, what the healing bar was in response to. I mean, the late bloomers as a platform though, it kind of, it, it speaks to a lot of people. It's not just black people that, mm-hmm. that we have in our audience. There are people from lots of different cultures and different ethnicities who can seriously relate to the millennial and I guess adulting struggle and it <laughs> to them as well. Um, but my response, was creating the healing bar where people could really come and feel fed and edified Um, yeah absolutely that's so cool that's such a cool concept especially I really like the bar so it's like oh okay since we're all at home let's bring your favorite drink to the bar like (laughs) (laughs) I like it well it's a gathering place you know and it's a space where I would assume like people that need to hear that messaging need to hear that messaging right yeah. so I think that was really brilliant from like a as someone who's who's a systems thinker like thinks about <laughs> where people gather it's like that I'm like actually that was really brilliant pre-COVID days <laughs> <I was> like, yeah. <laughs> post-COVID obviously like I always have to like say like when something tells a story I'm like this was before COVID this is before <laughs> like pre- I don't pre-COVID. go to a pub that's a practice <laughs> it's a public practice anymore <laughs> yeah. um, we say DC isn't it before COVID right before COVID <laughs> so true whenever I have to tell a story or like send a put a picture online I'm like this was before COVID this is this was a gathering before COVID there were never like 20 people in a room anyway um that was a 2018 photo of BC um absolutely no that makes so much sense so how have you translated that like it sounds like you're doing like I know you you know we've kind of talked about networking so you've kind of translated that sense into your podcast a little bit and kind of doing this online more is that kind of what I'm hearing definitely online um and the new app that we're like kind of addicted to as a platform is um clubhouse I think Mm -hmm. you're telling me about that yeah and that's done really well like as a platform we kind of opened a club there where people where we have different topics and kind of hosts um different topics and discussions where people can also be heard and their voice Mm -hmm. can their voice matters and their voice counts and and for me that's like one of our values it's just making sure that people can share their truth and walk in their truth unashamedly and not feel the need to perform mm-hmm. like like we do on all the other social media platforms and it's I know like, that. 
you don't need to do that. You can be vulnerable, you can be yourself and will accept you how you are. And, and so that's really just like the, some of the main tenets of the platform um, that we've kind of like spread our wings to different, I guess, mediums and by which we reach people. So. That's awesome. So talk a little bit more about the podcast. And now we did like a, we did a post on Integrate and um, on our Facebook page about a call for um, wellness professionals. So can you talk a little bit more about, um, you know, anyone you would like who you're kind of looking to be on the podcast or do some networking with, what you're, Oprah? yeah. <laughs> Oprah, you coming to the podcast? Oprah, I know. Oprah. <laughs> um, no, to be honest, anyone who relates to being a late bloomer or feeling like they have kind of taken a while to get to get their life in order and and to be honest that's a lot of people that's um, a lot of people that's only with people. me <laughs> like I thought right. we, we've all bloomed late in one area of our life because like Oprah says right she says that you can have it all but not all at once and mm-hmm. I, I actually truly agree with that I feel yeah. like um as humans, we have things that we prioritize over other things, mm-hmm. for instance, like some people will start their families earlier, whereas a lot mm-hmm. of people might decide, okay, let me focus on my career and start my family a bit later. And you're seeing right. the shift generationally in terms of um, what millennials, I guess, prioritized in comparison to what our parents prioritized. And so, um, yeah, it's really just about kind of, I guess, telling those stories authentically mm-hmm. and so somebody might have their career all together and be making lots and lots of money but relationship wise they're lagging and so it's okay what does that story look like and and how would you how would you describe that feeling to others and so it's just I, as I said it's pretty inclusive um, mm-hmm. of all stories because I feel that everyone blooms late in this specific area in mm-hmm. their life um, and the, the name itself, I guess the late bloomers, people look at it and think, oh, like, what do you mean by late? Maybe it's just on time. And yeah, I kind of took it as a bit of a play on the word. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I, I refer to the people who are part of the platform as bloomers, um, because I believe that we all bloom at the end of the day, regardless of whether you're starting a bit later than others, whether you start earlier, everyone's on this bloom journey. And so yeah that's that's kind of what it's all about (laughs) awesome I love that I love that and where can people are are, your podcast is on I assume all the like major platforms platforms, Spotify Apple Podcasts it's everywhere so people there um awesome chatting away on Instagram too (laughs) yeah yeah I know Instagram I know I've been I've you know, it's funny. We were, I was thinking about, uh, I've been talking a lot about like output and social media with some, um, clients and stuff like that. And I've been talking a little bit about like social media has become like an email for like, I think those of us under like, like, I don't send out emails anymore because like most people that I like attract, you know, integrate attracts, like are yeah. mostly like that they don't read emails anymore. <laughs> I was like, so bad with my email. Like literally yeah. it's like I, somebody the other day it's like you're trying to force me to become an email person and I'm not that person like I'm actually not an email person I'm not an email person either and I know a lot of people that at least to follow us aren't so I always like so I stopped kind of creating them actually it's kind of what got the podcast I was like 
well, we're do, what do we need to do? And I was like, we're our people. And I was like, oh, they're on a podcast. People are more apt to listen to us on a podcast than open up an email. So we're like no energy around an email unless it's like an absolute like big thing, you know, that like those of us that are on the mailing list, there's like, like, you know, I mean, but most of those people already follow us on Instagram anyway. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, what's the what? Yeah. Instagram is like our email now. So yeah, no, totally. So where can people find you on the internet? Is it, do you have like a website for the late yeah, bloomers? Website. We're everywhere. It's okay. Bloomers spelled L8. So the late bloomers.com. You can find us everywhere. Um, and yeah, we'll just be generally like, I'm here to serve people and their needs, whatever it was, whatever I'm a servant. <laughs> servant. <laughs> so, uh, I love it. I love it. No, that's great. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. This thing called wellness, I guess. For me, wellness is weird because we spoke about this and I actually hate the word. I don't know if I mm -hmm. told you I hate the word. Yeah. Wellness. Yeah, I, prefer, I don't like it either. I prefer wholeness because I feel yeah. like Wellness means that, okay, when you're not well, you're sick. Right. Whereas, and, and there's something that needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like with the mental health journey, the way in which I see it is that nobody's broken. You don't need to mm -hmm. be sick. Exactly. You understand yourself. And so that's something that me and my therapist talk through all the time. It's like, you know, me trying to just understand and fall in love with me a bit more, flaws and all, and embrace that and just be like, you know what? Like, yeah, I've had pretty like traumatic things that have happened to me, but that doesn't define who I am as a person. And yeah, it's about walking in that, in that strength. Um, absolutely. And you know, it's funny, like integrate went through, I would say this is about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, uh, Victoria and I were, who's the co-founder and they come back every once in a while and they do some posts, <laughs> um, but they're over doing on being your body right now and promoting that book. So, um, but, uh, but I, Victoria and I made a decision about two years ago after we've been talking about trauma and like trauma healing for like years, we're like, how much longer can we actually do this? <laughs> you know, we were like, we need to like broaden this expression. Right. Like, and that's how we started like bringing in more, you talk, mentioned Brene Brown and I was thinking of that like bringing in more Brene Brown's concept of wholeheartedness and yeah. like expanding the conversation and, and, and expanding the, the expanding in general, you know, um, into other areas um, that were, now that we figured out integrate, we're growing this platform. Mm. We were like, we need to like create a space where we're like moving away from like the talk of trauma as things progressed and we've seen some changes and we've seen the paradigm shift, at least in the States, you know, yeah. um, in certain areas, I'm not say all areas, in certain areas, we have seen the shift happen. We're like, well, what happens when, when you helped with the shift, what do, where do you shift, you know? And we were like, well, we need to talk about who we already are. And we need to go back and send some of those like elements of yoga, like the chakras and talking about you know, in Reiki and in the shock, I don't get super woo very often, but I do in a podcast, <laughs> you know, I'll start talking about my woo side a little bit more. Um, you know, we start talking about those things. Like we, those traditions already talk about how we're already whole and we are already um, beautiful and there's nothing to fix. Right. And that's right. I loved bringing that aspect into it because that's at the end of the day, that's what we're for. And that's why we liked 
talking about using this language like wholeheartedness and inter you know what are we called like instead of using universal design we just like intersectional belonging you know like we just made it sexier um <laughs> sexier language you know than wellness or universal design because like that's what it comes down to and almost everything we do right and I like that you mentioned that about the wellness because like I don't I hate it it's just it just needs to expand in terms of the concept mm-hmm. and what the industry really does stand for because if we are going to say wellness then it's not just for white women it's exactly lululemon or sweaty betty or wherever to like find their things <sighs> we're talking more about okay everybody should have access to this wellness it's it's not something that's just for people who have socioeconomic um advantages it's for people Mm -hmm. from every kind of background you know I think we we have Mm. we have definitely if you look at the wellness industry it turns over like 4.5 billion or trillion dollars a year I think it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that's a lot of money. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that is a lot of money. And so where is that money going? To which community? Right. Like, how are we really reinforcing what wellness actually means within our world? Because yeah, if everyone's in this industry and, and the industry is meant to stand for something, we need to be seeing those receipts. <laughs> and and yeah, totally. things like, yeah. like what we've like what has been unearthed this year shouldn't really be happening these wellness Mm. spaces should not be whitewashed they don't have to be like there are so many different experiences of how to create a how to create well-being for yourself and those resources need to be available to all um Mm -hmm. that's really what i'm about it's kind of what i stand for and and it's just about pushing forward that narrative to make sure Mm -hmm. that people don't feel like they're left out of the of the equation when it comes to living a good and well and a, living a good life um mm-hmm. and looking after yourself and so yeah cool absolutely well we're here to help propel that so and I we love that you made yourself known to us thanks for dming me that day i was like this is great i love when people dm me that like i'm following us and like i'm like this is great it's like the greatest part of the podcast no, I, love I'm, like, I love what you guys are doing <laughs> i'm always looking i'm like oh i love this stuff i love it so so much awesome. like, you're really trying to change that narrative and you're actually doing the work it's not just by saying it it's about okay who else can we go out to to talk to when it comes to issues around well-being and stuff and and so I just love that I love that awesome. about you. <laughs> well, th- well thank you so much that was one of the reasons why we wanted to start the podcast was you know like we have our, our integrate providers which are great but we wanted to like you know we wanted to broaden it in a more authentic way that um where people were at especially yeah. now in COVID times you know and um it just broadened the conversation and opened the network up a little bit more in different ways that mm-hmm. are cool and like we just kind of follow the follow the energy is what I always say I'm like integrates like following the energy it's like what's the need today universe you know you know like it's kind of following it's like its own has its own own way of doing things so yeah so thank you so much for being supportive and being here we really appreciate the work you're doing and seeing you you to support you all the way thank you awesome all right I'm gonna stop the recording but then I'll give you instructions okay